What's up, 11:30? How you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. You just saw a, a, a promo video for an event we have coming up this week. It's for the ladies. It's called She. It's on Thursday night and Friday night. I, I would encourage you, if you're a lady here at, at our church, you want to come one of these nights. Same thing, both nights. It's going to be a great time. Uh, it's one of the most popular things that our church does. And so if, if you're... Seriously, if you're a woman, you want to come. Guys, take one for the team and, and because you know Sunday's coming. And Sunday is the Super Bowl. And you're going to want to sit there and watch the Super Bowl all day. So what you do is you take care of your wife on Thursday or Friday so that you can go do that on Sunday. And so just, just take words of wisdom right there for you uh, from your pastor. But uh, anyways, uh, one other thing that we have going on is today uh, is one of those days where, where we think it's really, really important for you if you call Coastal your home. But even if you don't, I think this is a great day for you because so many times people ask me, they go, man, how, how do I get involved at Coastal? Where do I find my people? Where do I find the relationships that you're always talking about, about doing life together? One of the ways we do that is through connect groups. And on every single seat when you walked in was there book that looks like this. It's called our Connect Group book, and in there you're going to find a whole bunch of different groups. After service, you can sign up for some of those groups. There's tables out there. There's leaders that are out there that love to talk with you, share with you what they're going to be doing. It'd be a great opportunity for you to get involved. And uh, But today, everybody say today. Today we are in a series called I Quit, and we've been in this series over the last couple of weeks as we have been beginning this new year of 2020, and here's what I know about so many of us. We walk into a new year and we go, hey, this is going to be my best year ever. There's some dreams, there's some goals, there's some aspirations that I want to see have happen in my life, and, the, and that's awesome. I think that we should go and run after every single one of those goals and dreams and aspirations. The problem is, is most of us are living jam-packed lives already and so what we do is we go hey I want to add one two three 17 new things to your life and there's no room for it because we don't have margin so in order for us to start some new things there have got to be some things we got to get rid of and we've been talking about different things this year that we need to quit if we're going to become the man the woman that God has called us to be this year and today we're going to be talking about something that I think all of us deal with and it's something that every single one of us needs to quit this year and the thing that we need to quit is excuses like nobody cheered for that no, it's just no service because it hits all of us we all make excuses don't we it's something that's prevalent in our lives and as I was thinking about excuses probably the number one excuse while it's not verbally spoken it is deep within our psyche and in our spirit is the thing that holds us back and makes us make excuses is embodied in one word, and that word is fear. Fear cripples a lot of us. And so uh, this week, I, I got a little bit addicted to YouTube, and uh, it happens periodically. I'll be studying, and I'll get off on a tangent. And next thing I know, seven hours later, I've watched 400 YouTube videos on the same thing. Some of you all know what I'm talking about because you do that with Netflix. And so don't hate on me because you know you do it too. You didn't accomplish anything that day. But uh, I actually was accomplishing something. I was watching these videos of this guy named Nick Walenda, and uh, he holds uh, nine Guinness World Book 
world records uh, for walking on tightropes. And so uh, we actually have some videos of him uh, out there walking. He's actually, this, this is a Grand Canyon right there. He's like walking, there's nothing on, like just walking out there, crazy, blows my mind. I'm like, what is this dude's deal? Uh, here he is in New York City in Times Square. He's actually taking a step over his sister. They're walking in the same direction, crazy. These people are insane. And, and I'll watch videos like this and I'll automatically think I can do that. It's like, I, I, I just see those and I'm like, man, I should, I should learn how to do that. It's just something within me that I just want to accomplish those things. And, and so I was watching these videos and the only problem is with this is, is like, I have a fear of death. Anybody else out there with me? Like, I like doing death defying things. Like I'll go bungee jumping in a third world country. I'll jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a parachute. But the reason I like those things is because when I jump off a bridge with a bungee, there's a bungee attached to me. It feels like death, but death is not going to happen. When I jump out of an airplane, it feels like death, but there's a parachute. If you fall off of that, you just die. Some of you are like, why are you depressing me right now? And so I'm watching this, and I'm like, I can do this. So this week I went and, and bought... Uh, <laughs> I, there's something about me just in my psyche that like, or just in who I am that if I see something, I'm like, I can do that and I can do it better than him. You know, it's like, I don't know what, I, that's probably pride. We'll talk about it in a different week. But so I went out and I bought this thing and this is called a slack line. And I thought to myself, man, I'm going to start practicing because I'm going to be like really, really good at this. And so I got this. You guys can shut that video off. That, I, I, I want them to don't compare me to him. Um, and so, and so I bought this. And so do you guys want to see me do this? Cause I'm, I've, I've been practicing. I've been, I've been crushing it all week and so you get on this thing and and you step out into it and so you're you're walking along but it gets yeah yeah it's that's <laughs> you know here's the crazy thing when nobody's in this room I can walk this thing the entire time as soon as y'all show up, it's like I fall off. It's the pressure. It's the pr Actually, it's two things that I don't have in my life that cause me to fall. Uh, one is the ability to balance. Two is core strength. And if you don't have either one of those things, this is really, really difficult. Um, but I, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about fear. Because for most of my life, I've used fear as fuel to propel me forward in life. I've used it as motivation that like, oh, you don't think I can or like that's scary. I'm just going to dive into that. But here's what I know for most of us. Fear is not fuel for us. For most of us, fear is the limiter in our life. You want to know why? Because fear always creates limits to what you can do and what you can accomplish. And so if you fear heights in life, what do you do? You stay low. If you fail, fear failure, what do you do? You never try. If you, if you fear rejection, what do you do? You never start a relationship. Fear always creates limits in your life. I think it's one of the reasons why all throughout God's word, God is constantly addressing this issue of fear more than any other issue. And I, I, I was thinking about this. If there are so many different vices that are out there that God could have addressed more than any other subject, but for some reason he chose fear. And I think the reason he chose fear is because God knew that he would ask us to do things and the thing that would keep us from making the decision to do it would be our excuse of I'm afraid. 
And it isn't just God. Jesus, when he was on this earth in the, the four gospels, actually told his disciples and people around him, fear not, 15 times. Why? Because God knew that this would be a big deal in our life. And so when you think about this idea of quitting fear, you have one of two options. If you want to quit fear, you've got to begin to change your outer world and everything that's around you, or you've got to make the choice to change your inner world. And what a lot of us do is we decide, hey, I'm going to change my outer world. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I don't ever put myself in a situation where I face fear, where I have to choose between doing something and being fearful. And the problem with that kind of life is that if you never choose to have fear in your life, you'll never try anything new. You'll never grow. You'll never develop and become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. And so what you'll do is you'll try to put yourself in bubble wrap in life and just try to protect yourself. The other option is, is that you're going to go, hey, I'm going to look at my inner world, which is what I want to talk about today. I want to change my inner world. And what you're doing is you're going, hey, I've got to begin to look and process fear differently than I have in the past. Like, I've got to be able to look inward and see what is going on. Because the goal here is not to have a fear-free life. That is not the goal. The goal, if you want a fear-free life and that's your goal in life, the problem with that goal is if you're trying to live fear-free, you will be walking in fear all the time. Like, it'll just, everything is scary. And so the goal is not a fear-free life. In fact, Jesus addresses this in John chapter 14, verse 1. And, and he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Notice, he doesn't go, don't let the world trouble you. Because that's your outer world. He, he says, don't, let the, don't try to control what's going on in that, there. I'm going to address your inner world. Don't let your heart, your inner world be troubled. So how do you do that? He says, trust in me or trust in God. And trust also in me. Jesus says, man, the goal is not fear avoidance. The goal is not how can I fear less. The goal is, is how do I begin to trust God more? Because I don't have a fear problem and you don't have a fear problem. What we have is we have a faith problem. And all throughout scripture and honestly all throughout life, all of us are kind of walking out a typical common storyline that every single one of us face. I put it up here like this. What happens in life is God gives someone a dream or a vision, a calling, an unction to do something. It could be Moses at the burning bush. Hey, I want you to go and uh, get the Israelites who are enslaved. I want you to rescue them. It could be Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Here's your dream. It could be deep within your heart. God has put a business idea inside of you and he goes, hey, here is your dream. It could be you as a single male. God gives you the dream of asking out that girl that you've never talked to in your life that doesn't even know you exist. And it's, it's like a dream that's just, it's, it's there and you know you're supposed to do it. And, and all of us have these dreams and these unctions in life. And what happens is, is, the dream requires you have to leave your comfort zone. The dream that God puts in your heart is always going to cause you to have to leave the place where you currently are, which would, I would call point A in life. And point A in life is where you have security. It's where you're sufficient. It's where you have all the resources and skills and abilities to do everything that you're currently doing in life. And this is, a, this is what I would call your comfort zone. 
And God says, hey, listen, that dream that I put in your heart, you know what it's going to require? It's going to require you to leave the safety and security of what you know and step out into the shaky unknown. To step out into a place that is not as comfortable as you're currently experiencing. And here's, here's what's going to happen. In that moment, you're either going to be paralyzed by fear because you have self-reliance. You're looking at your skills, your abilities, your gifts, your talents, your network, your education. You're going, I can do that or I can't. Or you're going to move forward in faith because you're not relying on who you are and what you can do. You're relying on the one who can empower you to do everything in life. It's going to boil down in your life and my life to am I going to live in self-reliance or am I going to live with God reliance and the calling the passion the dream the goal the aspiration it might be a relationship thing it might be a career thing it might be a financial thing it could be a lot of different things and what it's going to boil down to is are you going to have self-reliance or are you going to have God reliance are you going to be paralyzed by fear and your own limitations or are you going to trust God and step out from point A and your comfort zone and start moving into this God reliance where you know you have to rely on God to do and accomplish something that you have no power on your own to do. And I think every single one of us in life is facing these decisions and these situations and it applies to every single one of us. But there's one particular group that has been on my heart this week that, that I, want, I want to talk to. And it's those of you with the gift of vision and passion in your life. And if you have the gift of, of vision and passion in your life, a lot of times it does not feel like a gift. It feels more like a burden to you. Because if you have the gift of vision, and what I mean by that is you see things that other people can't see. And so what happens is the reason that gift feels like a burden is because you walk into a situation, you walk into circumstances, and you see what could and should be for that circumstances, and you start speaking those things to people that can't see the possibility of what you see. And so naturally, what do they do? They discourage, they tear down, they tell you it's not possible, and you can't. And it's in those moments that you have a choice. Am I, gonna, am, am I going to shrink back, or am I going to press forward in those moments? And I want to encourage you, if, if that's you here today and you've got the gifts of vision and passion, don't shrink back. Don't lose sight of what God has given you vision to do. Because listen, it's easy to be a critic in our day and age. It's easy to tear things down, man. It takes bravery to step out and be strong and be vigilant and go, I don't care what you say because I know what I see. And some of us have got to make that choice. And for many of you today, you sense that God is calling you to move from point A. You know that God is calling you to move from point A. And start stepping towards the life that God has put within your heart. To move from self-reliance to God-reliance. And here's what I would encourage you today, especially when it comes to overcoming your excuses. Number one, if you're taking notes, don't wait until you've resolved all of your issues. Don't wait until you've resolved all of your 
issues. There's this interesting story in the Old Testament found in 1 Samuel. It's about God anointing the first king and presenting him before the children of Israel. His name is Saul. And there's a prophet named Samuel who anoints him. And he says, hey, we're going to bring you before all the people of Israel. And we're going to let them know that you, you're God's chosen, anointed to lead our people. And uh, it's going to happen in a couple days. And they get to the day of the ceremony where they're going to present him before the people. And uh, they can't find him. They can't, Saul is nowhere to be found. Uh, they have no clue where he is. And so, so they, 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 in verse 10, or 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22, uh, they actually go to God and they ask the Lord, where is he? Like, they don't have a clue. They're like, God, do you have any idea where this guy is? And this is what God says. He is hiding among the baggage. Kind of a crazy place to be hiding among the baggage. It's kind of funny. Like, why in the world would you hide among the baggage? But this guy is literally hiding among the baggage, and I think it's honestly symbolic for a lot of us. We are hiding amongst our baggage in life. God is literally waiting for us to step into a dream, a calling that he has put within our heart to step out in faith, and instead we're hiding in our baggage. And we all have baggage, don't we? We have baggage from decisions that we've made. We have baggage from our upbringing. We have baggage from things that have happened to us that when we think about those moments bring all kinds of shame and pain to our life. We have experiences. We have circumstances. We have rejection. We have conversations. We have baggage. Some of us, we've got a lot of baggage. And that baggage, we are hiding in, we're hiding amongst, we're hiding from it. And I think some of us in life, we're just waiting. Like we're waiting for God to come and go, hey, I see all of your baggage. Let's unpack that. Let's put that away. Let's get rid of that. And, and, and I'm going to take all of that from your life. And you go, well, then I'll be ready. But rarely does God ever work that way. In fact, this week I was reading in my one-year Bible, and there was a story in the New Testament at the very end of Jesus' life as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he's talking to his disciples. And there's a portion of the story that just, that just hit me that I want to share with you, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain <coughs> where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. It's interesting. Here are the disciples. Here are the people that have been following Jesus for three years. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen blind eyes open. They've seen deaf ears here. They've seen people with leprosy be completely healed. They've seen people that were missing limbs all of a sudden appear with limbs. I mean, they've seen all this incredible thing. They saw Jesus go to the cross, be crucified, die, be put in a grave. Three days later, come out of the grave. He's alive, and he spent the last 40 days with them, and they just went to church with Jesus and he's getting ready to ascend to heaven and they're like I'm not really sure <laughs> like I don't know that I buy in that this guy's really the son of God like they doubted and it continues on and it says Jesus came and told his disciples 
I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting that here are a group of guys that have experienced everything with Jesus. He's getting to the very end and, he's, and they're still like doubting. Jesus is about to lay down the most important mandate that he's ever laid down. He's like, hey, I'm putting the future of the world and the church in your hands. To a group of guys that are like, I don't even really know if I believe. Like, I'm not sure as Jesus is like elevating in the air, ascending to heaven. It's literally what's happening here. which should be an encouragement to all of us because it tells us that God always uses people with baggage. God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. So my encouragement for you today, if you feel a sense or a calling that God is saying, hey, step out, don't wait. Don't wait until you sort through all of your junk and get through all of your issues and resolved all of your issues because listen, you will never resolve all of your issues. And listen, if you're out there and you don't know what your issues are, that's your issue. You need to resolve that. (laughs) Number two, don't wait until you feel confident. Don't wait until you feel confident. The, The Bible is littered with with story after story of God coming and giving a call or a mandate to somebody and them not feeling confident. One of my favorites is, is a guy named Moses comes out of the book of Exodus and God shows up to him in a burning bush. Like these are not, these are not like, hey, I had this idea. These are like God physically showing up in some pretty profound and unimaginable ways. A bush is on fire and it's not burning and it's talking. That would freak me out. I'd be like, be like, am I on something? I don't know. But that's like, I, I just... <laughs> I mean, you, you got to think about these things if you read the Bible. That's how I think about it. I'm like, Bush is talking to him and says, hey, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Hey, I want you to go and rescue the children of Israel from the greatest oppressor on the face of the earth. His name is Pharaoh. And uh, I want you to go and be the deliverer. And honestly, Moses, for a, multiple chapters, gives excuse after excuse after excuse. Because that's what we do, right? And then in chapter 4, it says this. It says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Like, he's like, man, I'm I'm just going to throw it all out there. God, like, I know you appeared to me, or at least I think you did. And uh, what if they don't believe me? And then he continues on in verse 10. He says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Moses is like given every excuse, which is interesting, because if you were to go back to chapter 3, when God appears to him, the first thing he goes is, God, listen, My circumstances won't allow me to be the rescuer. I'm in Midian. They're in Egypt. The Pharaoh wants to kill me. I don't want to die. So my circumstances don't allow it. And he moves from circumstantial excuses to all of a sudden, I'm not good enough. He moves into this self-fear. He starts projecting out and continues on. And he says this, Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? 
Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Now, which is interesting. He says go because in every situation that God appears to somebody, he's going to tell you, I know you're comfortable right here at point A, but there is a point where you've just got to go. It's time for you to move from your current circumstances and situations and fears. He says, I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. What you see here is, is Moses, he's just coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And the, the thing that Moses is saying to God is he's saying, I'm not ready. I don't feel confident. I don't feel sufficient, God. I'm not ready. One of the most common questions I get from people as a pastor is this, when am I going to know when I should do what I feel like God is calling me to do? When, when am I going to know when I should step out in faith and trust God? Here's the answer. You're never going to know. You're never going to know the right time. And here's the other thing is you're never going to feel ready for the most challenging of circumstances. But here's the good news that God gives. God loves using people that aren't ready. Man, he absolutely loves using people that feel ill-equipped and not ready to do what he's asking them to to do. In fact, I, I don't know if this is absolutely true, so if you can find this, uh, you can email me and let me know, and I'll get up here next week, and I'll, 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 I'll back down from it, but I can't think of a single story or a single circumstance where God shows up to somebody and goes, hey, I want you to go do this, and the person is like, God, I'm ready. Like, I've been training all my life. I've been studying all my life. I've got every resource. I've got every connection. I am ready to go. What's up, God? I've just been waiting on you. There's not a single story in Scripture that I can find. And I've read this book a couple times. Not a single time somebody goes, I'm ready. So if you want to make a difference in your life, at some point you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable because all growth happens at the end of your comfort zone. Growth happens when you're willing, despite your doubts and despite your fears, to go like, hey, I'm going to begin to move from point A to point B. As I was watching all these YouTube videos, I, I, I saw this picture of, of Nick Walenda. This is in New York City. And uh, Nick actually attends the church that planted Shayla and I down here in South Florida. And so I've gotten the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with him and ask him some questions. And uh, one of the things that he said when, when he was speaking to a group of pastors, which I thought was really interesting, he said, every time I go out on the tightrope, I never go alone. And I look at this picture, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure you're alone right there. Like, I'm pretty sure you're by yourself on that rope. And he goes, no, no, no. See, I don't ever go alone because I'm always carrying this stick. And I was looking at this picture and I thought to myself, like, I'm a little ADD. And so you make me multitask. I would have a hard enough time staying on the rope, let alone carrying a stick at the same time. Now, now I'm just going to fall to my death. And, uh, uh, but as I was researching about this, this pole that's going across, you'll notice it's going over his neck and he's holding on to it. And that stick actually acts as, as a, like a, a counterweight. And what it does is it lowers his center of gravity. 
And so it puts weight so that he's, he's putting all of his weight on that line. And it's weighted on both ends because you never know what's going to happen out there. And you've got to be able to counteract and counterbalance to whatever happens. So a wind might come and swirl up and it might push you to one side. And so what you do is you put the weight to the other side and it keeps you upright. Or you might get a cramp in your leg and, and all of a sudden you want to you wanna go to one, towards one side. And it counteracts that so, so that you stay up there. But they said the key in all the research that I did, the key to being successful to walking that line is you've got to trust that bar and lean into it. Which got me thinking about when it comes to our faith and our fears. Number three, if you're taking notes, it, it tells us don't act on feelings. But what we have to do is we have to lean into faith. And thinking about stepping out and trusting God. I've realized for my life, I tend to respond to things based on my feelings. I tend to look at my circumstances and my situation and, and my natural first response is whatever is going on inside of me, that's how I respond. And it's, it's natural to act on feelings because that's we're, 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 we've got a battle going on inside of us and it's trying to win the war. And this week, we've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Praise the Lord. Today is the last day of fasting. Some of us are ready to eat. We're like, yeah, let's get it on. And, um, but earlier this week, I was, I was just having a tough day after one of the early morning prayers. And I was just spending some time with God. And I was a little frustrated and a little, little overwhelmed in the moment. And I just started writing in my journal some things I was feeling. In fact, I, I, I'll share them with you here. And I just put down... God, this is where I'm at, which by the way, uh, for those of you that are younger, this is called cursive right here. I know they don't teach this anymore, so you have no idea. You're like, what, is, what, is that, what does that say? It's not hieroglyphics. That's a form of writing that they used to teach for intelligent people. I want to encourage you to learn it. It'll do you some good. None of your friends will know what's going on. You'll be like, take my journal. I don't care. You know, they don't know. Um, I digress. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, God, this is where I'm at. And I just wrote down, I feel say, scared. I feel ill-equipped in this season. God, I feel overwhelmed. God, I feel tired and worn. And I was just sitting there, and I just, I just kind of put it before God, and I was like, hey, this is where I feel. It's like I just felt like God just spoke to me, and he said, but TJ, what do you know? Like, I know that's how you feel, but what do you know? And I just started writing, I actually put... But TJ, what do you know? I wrote down, I know that I'm loved with an everlasting love. I know that God is my source of strength in my time of need. I know that I'm not alone and that God will never leave me or forsake me. I know that God causes all things to work for good. I know that God has called me. And it was in that moment that God says you have a choice, and it's the same choice you have that I have every day. Am I going to act on what I feel, or am I going to act on what I know? And honestly, this is, this is spiritual maturity right here. This is you realizing that, do I want my faith built on my circumstances and what I see and what I understand and what I can comprehend with my human eyes and my human brain? Or do I want my faith built on God's identity and who he says I am? Because if I'm building my faith on my 
visual perspective and my, my common understanding and what I can see if with my own eyes. You know what my faith is going to be like? It's going to be like a yo-yo being thrown up and down and all around. And it's going to be thrown all over the place. But when I tie my faith to God's identity and who he says I am in his word, it gives me a foundation. It gives me something that when I don't feel confident, when I don't see what I want to see, when I don't feel like I have the resources or the strength to move forward, that to step out from point A to point B, I can always do that because the reason I can trust, the reason I can step out, the reason I have faith is because deep down inside I know that I'm not alone. I'm not alone. There's this incredible scripture in Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 1, it says this, do not be afraid. God's addressing our, our fear issue right there. He says, I've ransomed you. In other words, I paid the price for you. I've taken care of your debt through my son Jesus and then he goes, I have called you by name. And some of you need to hear this today. God knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows all the good, all the bad. And you know what he's doing? He's still calling out. He's going, hey, Sarah, I know you. I know what's going on in your life. Hey, Mark, I know exactly what you're going through right now. And it's not, it's not something that's surprising me. Hey, hey, Sue, I know what's going on. I know how you're feeling. I know how you're feeling overwhelmed in this moment. And here's what he wants you to know. He goes, you are mine. He goes, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, and for some of you, or depression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And then in verse 5, he says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Shayla, would you, would you come up here real quick? And this is what I believe God is trying to communicate with us. He's saying, listen, I know you're on point A. He's saying, here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to trust me and take a step. Take a step out into the unknown. And here's the thing, what, what my promise is, 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 isn't that you won't go through some rough seasons because there is going to be some turbulence. It's going to start to get bouncy out there. And there, there's going to be seasons where it, it feels like you're on fire and you're like bouncing all over the place. And you're like, oh my gosh, God, what is going on? And, and God doesn't promise that you're not going to go through that. He doesn't ever promise that. What he promises is he says, in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on and you're getting tossed to and fro, I've got you. Yeah. That I'm going to be with you. And listen, we're going to continue to move in your unbalance, in your shaking. And I will take you to the place where I'm trying to take you. I will bring you to that place. That is my promise. So let's quit making the excuse for why we're not. And let's step into the promise that God says, man, I'll never leave you. And you can hold secure to that today. Would you guys pray with me?
God, we thank you that you're a promise maker and you're a promise keeper. And the greatest promise that you've given us is that you're with us. That you've made a way where there was no way. That that no matter what we're going through here today, you're in the midst of that thing. And some of us, we're going through some trials right now. We're going through some fires of oppression and depression. Some of us are facing some some brokenness in our marriage right now. And you're like, man, God, I feel all alone. And maybe you just got diagnosed with cancer. And you're like, God, I feel all alone. Where are you? And God is going, man, I'm right here. I never promised that you wouldn't go through things. What I promised is that I would be with you to the end of the age. And I love you with an everlasting love. And and I want to meet you right where you are. But I know that you're stuck in your current situation. You're stuck in your comfort zone. And I, I want you just to take a risk today and trust me. Step out into the unknown. Step out into the shaking. And what I promise to do is I will have you the entire way. And God, my prayer today is that you would breathe courage into people. God, that you would breathe faith into people here today. God, that they would, they would grab hold of you and trust you and allow you to lead them. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but Shayla was a little bit ahead of me that entire time. Because God is always ahead of us, making a way where there is no way. He's forging out a path so that you can walk down the path that he set before you. And he's just going, come with me. And maybe there's some of you in here today that you've never grabbed hold of God. That you've never allowed or began a relationship with this God. And and he goes, man, I want to know you. This isn't about rules. This isn't about religion. This is about a relationship. And see, if we don't know God, there's a thing that separates us. It's called sin. It's our screw-ups. It's our mistakes. And God goes, man, I... I see you, and I know that there, there is no way to bridge that void, and so I'll create a way, and it's through the cross where my son Jesus came to this earth and died so that you could have life, so that you could have relationship and restoration and have me walk with you all the way. Now, maybe you're here today, and you've never made a decision to begin that relationship with God, or maybe it was a long time ago. Today's the day you say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I, I, I need to take that step. I need to step out from my current comfort zone and begin to trust God in all aspects of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's in, you in here today, we would love to pray with you. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, we'd love to pray. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Yes, 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 ma'am. Anybody else? If I don't see you, it's not that big of a deal because God sees you. Pastor Josh, would you lead them in prayer? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud, say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I know that I'm not perfect, but I know that I need you to walk with me on the path that you've set before me, on, in the plans and the hopes and the dreams that you've always had for me. God, I trust you in this moment, and I invite you into my heart. I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you that he rose again three days later, defeating death and conquering the grave. And I thank you for my hope that I have in heaven with you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. It's in 